Welcome to the inaugural episode of Culture Confluence, a podcast hosted and produced by me, Kate Partridge, with support and guidance from the Community Arts Council of Prince George and CIFR 88.7 FM. This podcast was recorded and produced at the studios of CIFR 88.7 FM at the University of Northern British Columbia. UNBC sits on the traditional unceded territories of the Klaitli Tanay. The history of Prince George is one of colonial terror, displacement, land theft, and cultural genocide. As we think about arts and culture in Prince George, we must contend with this reality and recognize that for many of us, our lives, livelihoods, and creative endeavors run parallel to the ongoing, often violent, disenfranchisement of Indigenous communities. This is a topic we will return to over and over during the course of this project. I'll say it one more time. We live and work on the traditional unceded lands of the Klaitli today. In today's episode, we are going to lay the foundations for this project, which will span about eight months, cover a range of topics, and incorporate conversations with local artists, artisans, and those most embedded in culture and community. My guests today both hold leadership roles in organizations dedicated to supporting arts and culture in Prince George. They are also responsible for putting this podcast in motion. Gentlemen, could you please introduce yourselves, the organizations you represent, and tell us a little bit about your roles there. Sean, we'll start with you. So my name is Sean Farrell. I'm the executive director of the Community Arts Council of Prince George and District. And in my role, I kind of oversee the organization, help develop programs, do a lot of outreach in the community, specific around community arts and culture, and try my best to be a little bit of a helping hand to some of our many members as they might need it. So that's that's who I am and happy to be here. My name's Ian Gregg and I am the station manager at C4 Radio 88.7 FM. And uh, I guess it's, it's fairly mistaken that um, the station manager of a radio station is going to be on the air all the time and doing all the shows and all that kind of thing. And really my role is to facilitate the training of people so that they can learn the media skills in order to present the information that they want to share on our platform, which is accessible by anyone. You come along, you become a member, and you can receive training in order to become a media superstar. You know, if you want to create your own podcast, you can come to Seifer and learn how to do it. If you want to make your own radio show, you can come to Seifer, learn how to do it, and share that content online. And uh, what our focus is, as far as media goes, is uh, we want to share local arts and culture to our audience within our region and as far beyond that as we can. Uh, People who live in our region deserve to know what arts and culture are happening around them and get the pertinent information and news that they need, and we try to get that to them. And so this concept of arts and culture is pretty broad and subjective. It's often tough to pin down a useful definition. But broadly speaking, what do those terms arts and culture in Prince George mean to you? Well, what do they mean to me? It's, well, it's a really good question because it's, it's something that I and our organization has been grappling with a lot over the last couple of years. So here in Prince George, one of the things that's kind of unique is that 
as an example, we have a really strong guild system. We have several guilds. And really, they bring that kind of guild approach where it's like ancient knowledge and skills that just keep being passed down and passed down in a structured way. But we also see we also see the emergence of digital artists and digital art forms and content creators and food and culinary people and food growers contributing to a kind of artistic and a cultural milieu as well here in Prince George. And so that's one of the things that we've been working at is trying to bring together people in a creative setting who may not necessarily always have an opportunity to be beside each other. And that's one of the reasons why we're, we're even doing this podcasting program is to create perhaps a bit of a intergenerational encounter and experience up here at UNBC. As far as I'm concerned, I, I don't know if I'm, I've been much of like a high art aficionado, but really anybody who is trying to create something in order to evoke an emotion or share an experience is creating art and when people are experiencing that collectively to me that's culture and those are the sort of experiences that i want to have shared on our local radio station so if people are trying to make something and they're trying to get something heard that is is what we're here for and that is what i like to hear personally so I think when we talk about culture, though, we can get into a really broader definition and examples of, of like sports culture and how does it separate from, say, business culture or, mm-hmm. or even, you know, religion and spirituality usually has culture adjacent and attached to it as well. So I think culture is a really interesting yeah. uh, conversation and certainly artistic. You're right, Ian. Like there's a there's a creative, there's something being expressed, and it can be an almost doesn't matter what the medium is. It really doesn't matter. That's right. Some people are sitting down because they have something that they want to express and do it in a creative way. Then the, you're working towards art. I think it's really important for us to always recognize, though, the art forms that do have institutions attached to them mm-hmm. as well. So a theater company, a symphony orchestra a museum, a gallery. They're really important pillars as well, but they're not everything either. Mm-hmm. That's right. As a relative newcomer to Prince George, I would be interested to hear your respective takes on the current trajectory of arts and culture in Prince George. What has changed? What's stayed the same? And what can that tell us about the future? You want to start with me? I'll start with Sean. Well, I'm a newcomer too. Mm-hmm. I've been in Prince George just under three years. And so I think the trajectory that I can see, it's its hard to say because I'm part of that trajectory, I, I, I think. Um, the Community Arts Council has gone from 120 members to 240 in just a couple of years. Like it's doubled. And there's a lot of new people who are, like people want to get involved in this idea of arts and creativity. Younger, older people seem to be coming back to the table around this because I feel like there's a bit of a democratization of it and again major respect for the institutions that exist within arts and culture but it's becoming there seems to be a bit more of a level playing field now where people want to take a class they want to learn how to watercolor and oil painting it's like you know retired men who are taking this up like there's no there's no shame or anything in in saying yeah I want to I want to paint a pretty picture of a watercolor so a lot of people seem to be recognizing, but I also think that there's a societal issue around this too. There's a lot of 
there's a lot of pain there's a lot of broken mm-hmm. we're kind of broken as a society and people people are looking for something that comes from them that generates something in their heart and their soul and has a healing component as well so i feel like it's like a new kind of medicine almost in participating on a very personal level in the art so i feel like that's the trajectory people are just getting involved in it on a recreational level and that's where a lot of new programs seem to be um, focusing on very cool that's uh something you're seeing kind of in uh an age gap or an age generation that that you've been experiencing at the community arts council hey yeah yeah a lot of people just coming together to create things young adults from say unbc are showing up at the fiber arts guild because they want to learn how to spin and and weave and so you're seeing again that generational thing a 20 year old with somebody who normally might be in their 50s or 60s and they're coming together and sharing that really ancient knowledge about how to spin it's so cool to see it's a very good thing. But I think that, so for me, and, and Ian, this is where, you know, you have that expertise, the idea of technology as being an integral part of the creative act now as well in this podcasting program. That was something I was really interested in. Just in conversations around town, people start starting to say the word podcast, but they don't know what it means. They don't know what it is. And people are asking, how do you do a podcast? Can you go someplace and do a podcast? They want to know. And it's like, oh, I love seeing when there's like a curiosity around technology now. And that's why this program was really exciting to get going so people could come in and learn. This is how you make a podcast. It's very exciting. That's really, it's really great to hear because the democratization or the diffusing of that kind of knowledge, the the ability to make use of the equipment um, and the expertise that we have here, for example, at CIFR, was really what the station was set up to facilitate in the first place it's it's written right into our mandate so it's really exciting to hear that people are, are taking advantage of that through the community arts council and hopefully through CIFR. if i could get some folks in their 60s and 70s or 80s to come out here and come into the studio here and talk about some of the cool stuff that they're doing and learn about podcasting and i think that would be such an amazing thing for us to accomplish. And you touched on this earlier, but that's one of the really exciting things that I'm looking forward to in this podcast series is making those kind of connections cross-cultural, defined broadly, whatever culture you kind of identify with, but also intergenerational uh, and connecting the dots between those who have the kind of historical knowledge of the scene here and those who are trying to make it their own in some way, newcomers like yourself and and, and me and, and others. Yeah, for sure. I think that fits into well with kind of the direction that the city of Prince George is going in. There are a lot of people moving here. And I I don't know about you, but Kate, with my own experience, one of the things that really appealed to me about Prince George is like, you can kind of go and knock on a door and say, I'd like to get involved. And people say, sure, come on in. It doesn't matter who you know. And there's not like, like groups, there's not sectors in the city where it's like, well, you can't really be part of this. Yeah, you just knock on the door and say, I'm interested. Can I, can I help out? Can I volunteer? Lots of volunteer opportunities. You want to meet the mayor for a coffee, you know, you, you knock on the door and say, hi, you know, it's that kind of town still. So people, people want to get involved, but there's so much going on. And I think we need some alternative ways of kind of getting that, those stories out you know there's traditional media but then people want to have an opportunity to tell in their own voice their own story too and i think this is where we can maybe go with this uh with this podcasting opportunity 
segues right into my next question. What is your vision for arts and culture in Prince George, specifically in relation to um, the kind of broader goals of this podcast and the Community Arts Council in general? So our, the Community Arts Council a year or so ago uh, changed its vision to stating to help turn Prince George into a recognized center of creativity. Because I feel like, you know, with this idea of it being the capital of the North and people come through here all the time, we are poised to actually move from being a bit of a, of a kind of mill town, nothing pejorative about that at all, to where like this idea of artists and artisans and creative folks, like come here and develop festivals and new facilities where, so that's kind of, the vision where I see where like really unique creative things can happen here in Prince George and kind of put Prince George on the map and in tandem be a bit of an economic driver, be a tourism driver, be something where people say, yeah, let's move to Prince George. Not only is it affordable and relatively safe, but they've got really neat and wonderful artistic opportunities and organizations as well. It's great to be able to say that you can go to the theater and you can go to the museum, but it's about participation. That's, That's right. the vision. Yeah. You can find a community here and you can be a part of a community here. And, uh, that's not necessarily recognized in our pamphlets, in our no. brochures. No, no. And it's a difficult thing to put your finger on, right? Which is something that a podcast can attempt to do a little better than, uh, right. most publications. Most publications. I think too. And I've thought a little bit about this over the last couple of years while I've been here. There is something about the simple, affordable, easy, convenient way of life here that has a bit of a dark side too. Because when you're not challenged, when you're not, when you, when there aren't some barriers that you feel you want to really work towards, you can become complacent as well. Um, so, Kate, you spent time in Toronto. So. I'm from Toronto. So it used to be two hours a day was spent in your car. Like that was just two hours a day you did not own anymore. And so do the math on that. Like how many weeks, months, years of your life that you actually lose because you have to spend so much time sitting on a freeway, like literally sitting on a freeway. But here, what I loved was everything was 12 minutes away. Literally everything was 12 minutes away. And it didn't matter if you turned right left or you went backwards you'd still end up on the same spot within right. a couple of minutes it's like okay look at all the time i have like what a gift so oh I'm, yeah toronto really lit the fire for me it really lit that desire to do something in a way that victoria my hometown never really did for for me personally the plan was always to take that fire that was lit in toronto and apply it elsewhere but i am very grateful for the um the hustle that that city instilled in me. And now you can come to a city like Prince George where there's lots of things to do and you've got that extra time because you're not stuck. So I think my point here is... you're not stuck in traffic. Yeah, right. well, but That's you seriously. have to make sure that, yeah. the, can, like, that extra time you get because it's only 12 minutes away that you're actually maximizing that time and not just getting lazy and complacent because I think that's where we run into trouble as a society, where we stop caring. We stop, we stop really, really making sure that, okay, it's great for me right now, but there's another generation. I need to make it better for them, not just consume it all myself. You have to so, open up the, the typical inherent myopic view and include some other people in your world. For sure. Yeah, see what and, you can do for them. See what you can do for each other. And avoid that complacency along the way that conveniences can uh, sometimes contribute to. Yeah. That's right. So I want people to come up the hill here to UNBC. Like, come up the hill. Park your car. 
come to Seaford. You are listening to Culture Confluence, a podcast hosted by me, Kate Partridge, and put on by the Community Arts Council of Prince George and Seifer 88.7 FM. Um, so Ian, in terms of responding to how Prince George is evolving and growing over time, what's Seifer's vision moving forward? It's kind of funny. I, I want to take a laissez-faire attitude towards a lot of it because I personally feel like the role of of media and um, you know a platform that shares information is not to create um, what's going on, but to report on it and to capture it in the moment. And uh, what I will say in that regard, though, is that what I've seen since I moved to Prince George in 2012 is that um, it seems like there are a lot of people who are um, similar to what Sean said, um, picking up an instrument, picking up a pen, um, taking things into their own hands, taking the matter into their own hands and creating something out of their experience of this area, of this land and doing something with it. There's a lot more to access. You can go online and search Prince George News and there are multiple sites that come up for you to access and, and find out information about what's going on in your community now, where when I moved here, there wasn't much of that. Um, people are aware of events, and there are events. There is live music every weekend. There are independent artists either living here or passing through and creating a scene. There is a scene to access. When I first moved here, it was difficult to tell where to go to get access to any of this stuff you almost had to know people there wasn't somewhere where you could punch in you know prince george events and see anything at all perhaps this is not the healthiest that it could be right now in prince george this access to the information of where is something happening and when and why and if there is something that uh, seifer can improve upon into the future to assist our local culture it's to strengthen that area get people on the level so that they know what is going on i still talk to people now um, who have been in prince george for years and years and one of their biggest complaints to me is there used to be a show every weekend i mean you could always find something going on down at cafe voltaire or you know somewhere and now there's nothing and um there is things going on every weekend at Cafe Voltaire, at the Prince George Legion, at Nancy O's, at, you know, a number of venues. Clearly the information hasn't touched everybody yet. Is it not, <laughs> is it not concentrated in the right way? There is, a, there is an aspect. I mean, it's difficult to concentrate information. We have a changing media landscape all the time. It's difficult for people to know where to go to get their information and the traditional sources of information aren't necessarily going to have it. For example, uh, Prince George Citizen has been around for, you know, about 100 years in uh, Prince George. And uh, it's an institution of media sharing and information, and it's awesome. But that platform of media has suffered a lot over the last years as far as finances, funding, and so on. I think 
uh, staffing at, at Prince George has had a, at the Prince George Citizen has had a steady decline for a lot of years, just like, you know, a lot of other print media publications. This is just an example, mm -hmm. right? And it's difficult when you reduce the capacity of an institution like that to then, um, report on all the things that are going on in town you can't open up a page in the citizen and see everything that's that's happening you can capture some of it and what's there is great um but it's not possible for them to capture everything and it is up to independent media collectives now to figure out what is the format that people are going to be able to access in the future easily enough and freely enough to get the information that they need so we can have an informed society and an accessible culture. And uh, we have to figure that out together on our own um, as you know, staff here at CUFUR Radio, um, together in concert with other organizations here in town, such as The Citizen, CFIS, My Prince George Now, the commercial stations, as well as you know, PG News Matters, um, all these things um, can act together in concert at some time. We have to have the conversations with each other. Then also on a national level, we're a member of the National College and Community Radio Association, which has about a thousand different members in it. And uh, we all talk to each other about how we can deliver our information to our communities better. What can we do different? Um, what are the new technologies in place? What are the new affordable methods in place, which is a huge aspect of this. And how are people generating revenue in new ways in order to sustain this delivery, right? Yeah, sustainability is, is key. That's right. right? Like, and we don't have the answer yet, but I think that if everybody keeps trying, we will. I want people to participate in a program where they can come in and they're going to be warm and welcome and safe and friendly faces like you guys and come in and tell us our story. This is kind of what I want to see an opportunity for people to not have to deal with that two-dimensional digital space, but a real place where you can come in and tell your stories in a kind of old-fashioned way. That's right. The, the technology used is modern and up-to-date, but there's like a there's an old-fashioned real-time and I don't want to use the term safe space, but it kind of is, right? It's like as compared to some freaky website that you don't know if like what what Facebook is rolling out now to try to dupe you into something. So that's that's kind Absolutely. of where my personal approach to to these kind of things. Yeah. So what do you see as the role and responsibilities of arts and culture and each one of us in our respective roles in those arenas to respond to historical and ongoing disenfranchisement of uh, any number of communities and uh, identities? Well, let me say we need to start honoring each other, you know, as as co-inhabitors of this planet. And I think there are some cultural moats that do need some protection and some some investment so, you know, we can use terms like diversity and inclusivity, but what, so what does that really mean? And I think if we see an opportunity to support somebody in a cultural expression or artistic practice that maybe, maybe is vulnerable, maybe there's some threats against it. Uh, we see that all the time. I think cultural genocide is a very real thing. And, and I think a lot of it comes from sort of mass corporate approach too, right? Let's just make everyone want to buy our products and services and tell them that this is this is the way to do it. Well, traditional practices 
often worked for millennia. So why, why, why change just because some corporation is telling you that this is better. So I, I, I feel like that's where arts and culture comes into play, where we're showing, we're manifesting things that have been practiced for centuries and millennia, etc. And it's still wonderful and it's still unique and it still works. So that's where, that's what I feel our responsibility is to show that leadership to the world. Yeah, independent media has always played a lead in addressing um, the challenge to the status quo. If something is wrong, something is not right, something is making your general life uncomfortable, typically an independent media platform is where you can actually go to discuss those things and talk about those things. The system is not always fair and the role of our culture and arts tend to address these things in a creative and accessible way. And when an artist slips in a reference to you know, something that's happening in their community that uh, they feel needs to be addressed, it can get people thinking about it. And this has been happening ever since music was a thing. And when it comes to commercial platforms, um, you don't get nearly as much, you know, quote, protest music, unquote, on those platforms where you're going to get access to them in your communities, at your cafes, at your local legion, and so on, right? Can I tell you a story? When, so when I was a kid, kid, there I say, a young adult, and I was attending a an Ontario university that's known for kind of elitist for a while I, I had a little show on the on the campus radio station and we got we got into such trouble because this was at the time of um famine in in africa and ethiopia so this was like 80s corporate time and we had the show where we played 60s music so 60s and 80s was time wise wasn't that far off but attitude wise like 80s was corporate was greed and we were playing like bob dylan and stuff which was so unpopular at the time like the, all this acoustic music and we were talking about things like ethiopian acid rain was a big issue at the time and we got shut down we got shut down by the university administration because we were talking about starving children in africa and they didn't think it was appropriate for for the students to hear. So just how things have changed, right? But I think college campus radio has always been that place to go to where yeah. it's like, we're in here and we've got an idea and you have to hear it. And, and I think there's lots of ways in which community radio can be uh, revolutionary and progressive uh, in its own right without necessarily uh, touching on topics that are really volatile. Uh, for example, CIFR, mm -hmm. um, the majority... I, I believe this stat is still true. The majority of honor programmers are female. It's super uncommon, almost unheard of in any kind of music or media production capacity. That's pretty cool. A lot of our programmers are newcomers to Prince George from very far away. A lot of them are not white. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting culture that's developed around this radio station because it is kind of a beacon for creative expression without boundary. Uh, it seems to be a place that attracts folks who just want to um, create content in some capacity and, and feel this is a place that they can do that. I, uh, I think I think Cifer in that particular regard is doing great. And then in regards to actually creating content that is challenging the status quo, providing a different perspective on news stories, we, you know, like we, we train a lot of 
young folks who are then equipped, better equipped at media literacy to make the kind of judgment calls that will end up creating stories that challenge those really well entrenched, mm -hmm. often problematic narratives. And that's a like um, intentional symptom or, or side effect of, of what we do in, in training people to create media. You end up fostering media criticism, which is perhaps even more important than the actual creation of the media. Um, if we can get people to think critically about what they're hearing. When we're talking about digital content, etc., which ultimately this will be. So this, what we're doing right now in this three-dimensional space is going to end up as a as some digital content, right? So that's, you know, this is a very human experience we're having here. And I think the goal of a podcast is to try to translate that human experience as, as much as possible. And I think what we get from this is what I would call a nuanced conversation rather than this, this polarized people screaming their ideologies at each other, which is what you see in the comment section. So let's just take a, an online publication like the city's daily, right? People go there so they can yell at each other mm -hmm. in, in whatever, whatever anonymity they they wish to have. And so, I mean, and I'm, and I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Like I'll skim through, I'll see the headline and I know what that's all about. I'll skim through the article and then scroll right down to the content, to the comment section. Cause that's where the fun is, right? That's where, the stone throwing is going to happen, the name calling, the ad hominem attacks. And saying that's what it's become, right? All right, everyone knows their ideology. Let's, we're done. And then the, the thread peters out eventually because everyone's grown tired and of yelling at each other. It's so terrible. It's so terrible. And I like the idea of nuanced conversation where you can hear somebody and you can, in a situation like this, you can hear yourself too afterward, right? Yeah. Right? I yeah. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> thanks for joining the, the Culture Confluence podcast. <laughs> Tears on the back of my motorcycle. We're going out for a ride. For more information on the Community Arts Council of Prince George please visit studio2880.com. To learn more about CIFR 88.7 FM, find more original, community-minded programming, listen live online, or to get involved, visit cifr.ca. That's cfur.ca. For more info on the Culture Confluence podcast, to submit show ideas or get involved, please email me, kate, at cfur underscore hello at cfur.ca. And if it ever means anything to you That you started wanting to Tears on the back of my motorcycle